0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Checkpoint, the podcast highlighting and telling the stories of influential leaders in and around the sports industry. Today, we are excited to welcome our next guest, Chris McCarthy, to the show. Chris is the co founder of FanSaves, a couponing platform that offers users discounts and deals from the sponsors and affiliated brands of their favorite sports teams and organizations, which helps increase the sponsorship and advertising revenue. For those sports teams. Chris is the former professional hockey player who stops at a couple of different leagues, but most of his career spent in the FHL. He is most noted for his skills when dropping the gloves and doing what hockey players do best, which is why he spent most of his time in the penalty box and is now the fifth time player in penalty minutes. I can't wait to talk about that. Um, he brings that fight over to the business, which has positioned Fan Saves as a premier app, especially with all the shakeup and how advertising is being done in 2020. Chris currently lives in Ottawa, Canada, but for, for but for the next 45 minutes, he's here with us on Checkpoint.
1: Chris, welcome to the show. How are we doing, my man? We're doing great, Scott. So happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me on the show with you today. Awesome. Stoked to have you on. I
0: I mean, obviously, Fansaves is doing some amazing things. And uh, with the market being where it is, you know, excited to go ahead and unpack that. But um, for all you first time listeners, we're gonna take the next 45 minutes and use this as a true checkpoint. We're gonna hear Chris's story on how we got here what he's currently doing with his co-founder, Shannon, over there at Fansaves, And, um, you know, based on all his perspective and knowledge and experience, where he sees the industry going. So, um, you know, Chris, as I said, we have a ton to unpack. Um, I can't wait to hear about these fights that you used to get in. Um, who are you, man? What's your story? Where does it start?
1: True blue Canadian. I was born in Prince Edward Island on the East Coast and moved to Ottawa with my family when I was two. Uh, you know, I grew up in Ottawa. I love the city, uh, the capital of Canada. Um, and then pursued my education in the United States. So I went to SUNY Potsdam and in, uh, in New York, upstate New York. Got my business degree and uh, business my degree in business administration. And also started my seven-year professional hockey career, uh, which you alluded to earlier. So. Um, you know, that's what kind of led to founding our startup. And uh, I wouldn't be who I am without the characteristics that I learned from sports. And I wouldn't be the founder that I am today from all the lessons i learned from playing competitive sports throughout my career. Yeah, I I mean, it's always interesting when we talk about athletes, especially that make it
0: to the professional level. There's a ton of parallels that transition. But, um, you know, when we talk about going from the athletic rink in your world to the business world, what are some of those, you know, characteristics or those traits that you lean back on from your hockey days that help you when you get into a circumstance like COVID with, you know, growing a business right now?
1: For sure. Um, probably the, the biggest one that I can think of off the top of my head is leadership, right? So throughout my career, I've been really fortunate enough to, you know, be an assistant captain or a captain of multiple teams that I had played for, whether it be, you know, like minor hockey, uh, high school hockey, or even into my professional career. So I took a lot of those leadership qualities from, you know, leading a team of players and working with your coaches and your peers uh over to the business world. But um, you know, also faced a lot of adversity throughout my career. I blew out my knee twice right in the middle of my draft year, which didn't see me get drafted to the OHL and then the you know, eventually not the NHL, which was my my dream growing up as a Canadian. Um, you know, went through surgery and, you know, some other injuries throughout my career. So, you know, learning from that adversity, knowing that like you know, the world's not over, you'll, you'll recover and you'll come back stronger. That's something that I really take over to the business life because throughout the, the life of our startup, like we faced a lot of adversity that we've been able to overcome. And you mentioned the pandemic, that's just another piece of adversity that now we're all dealing with in different ways. Uh, but another thing that uh, we're able to overcome, um, you know, some other characteristics. Uh, another big one is teamwork, right? You have to be able to uh, work with different people that are from different walks of life and have different you know stories and be able to relate to them but also uh work towards a common goal in, in hockey it was winning a championship um you know and in startup life it's building a great business so those would probably be the three biggest ones that i've uh, transferred over from my my hockey career
0: yeah it's, it's always interesting you know when you talk to athletes you you almost have this parallel of life where there are seasons, you can win, you can lose. And, you know, I know when I made that transition over into the entrepreneur world, it was like the number one name of the game is to stay in business, right? So like, as long as we're doing that, like we're doing something right. And then, you know, obviously we want to define success as we go through it. Um, before we jump into the, the the business, right? Like, because we're going to talk all about that, but i'm curious right so you started you know grew up in canada what was that transition like coming stateside you know talk recruiting process talk um some of the hurdles challenges what that experience uh was like for you
1: for sure i was in grade 11 and uh i i got the opportunity to play up with the level higher than me for the competitive team that i was playing for and they were in playoffs so i uh i remember i was super stoked it was me and a teammate we were the top two leading scorers in our team Uh, He went on to get drafted by the Ottawa Senators like years later. But um, that game, I remember that first game, I I hit a guy in the corner and I started to skate away and he fell on my knee and it blew up my knee. Um, You know, I ended up uh, tearing my MCL, my meniscus, my fractured my kneecap in six places. So that was like my first piece of adversity that I went through. Um, And then I came back the year, the next year, even stronger, like, you know, hoping to fulfill my dreams of being drafted and playing in the OHL. Um, And I remember like halfway through the season, I was having a really great season. I got kind of hit from behind and my knee twisted and I ended up tearing my ACL and had to get full reconstructive surgery. So I give that context to get to this point in the story where um, you know playing professional hockey was no longer like a big focus of mine. My next point in life was to get my education um, and my parents were really strong on pushing me towards getting that education. So I made some highlight reel videos of my career and sent them out to some schools. And I got a uh, reply back from a school in upstate New York called North Country College, a community college that plays in the N- NJCAA. Um, had the opportunity to play there a year. Um, and then after that year was over, the coach went to a prep school down the road in Lake Placid, New York. Um, so he brought me along with him. So I went from like college. Back down to like prep school, I did my postgraduate year and then after that year was over I had a few offers to play at some, you know, Division three schools But at that time the dollar was really low in Canada and I just couldn't afford like a twenty five dollars or $30,000 uh, You know, year at school So I went back to home to Canada, played a year at Junior A Hoping that, you know, I'd get picked up by a school And um, that year actually I was uh, working a couple jobs um, one of them was like a, a Greek restaurant and I was in the back of the restaurant one day and the owner, who was also my friend, came in one day and was like, hey, guess what? Like, I got just bought a hockey team. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, a professional hockey team. There's this new league starting called the FHL. Uh, it's pretty much in upstate, you know, Eastern America and in, in Canada. And uh, there's a team that's going to be starting at Aquasasi, and I'm the owner and I want to sign you. Um so I was like that's really cool. So I was the second player signed to that team and I signed my contract in the back of a Greek restaurant which is a pretty funny story. Um but from then on I I got to play 7 years professional and um that was the start of my my professional career. So really weird how it all happened but I'm a big firm believer in kind of the universe and everything happens for a reason and you know had I not been injured that first year my path in life would have been completely different but uh, I couldn't be happier with where I am today and it all started with major knee injury so (laughs) wow I, i mean talk about
0: resilience bouncing back uh and making the best of a situation i mean that's incredible now i'm curious is there a greek god for fighting or is that just sort of something that you uh you know you just took on as your own like i mean what were you always this aggressive hockey player like uh what what was it like on the rink like how was that always your identity
1: it wasn't really i mean like uh you know i'm six foot one 195 like you know a pretty common size like you know hockey player um but you know that year i got signed to play my first year i also got accepted into suny potsdam in upstate new york so i was literally going to school full-time in university classes and driving an hour and a half back in, to aquasocini which is right on the border of cornwall ontario and and um and uh, uh messina new york so uh, you know i, I go I, I make the team and, you know, I've got players like Pierre Dagenet that played in the NHL uh, for multiple seasons, 30-goal scorer in the NHL, uh, multiple other draft picks. But then we had these other players on the team that were from, like, this Quebec senior league called the LNAH. And, I mean, you can you can look these guys up. If you've ever seen the movie Les Chiefs, L-E-S, Chiefs, um, they were a team in this league and they were notorious for being tough. Uh, the toughest hockey league in the world they're branded as. And so we had these, like – four or five guys in our team that were just monsters like uh, like beasts i'm talking like six five plus like 250 just jacked and i watched them beat up on so many people and as a rookie um you know like if one of our star players got hit you know i was expected to kind of like answer the bell and protect my teammates as well right so i learned a lot from them and from watching them play um and so that was kind of like I guess the start of like that mindset where it's like protecting your teammates and, you know, working towards a common goal altogether. Um, So throughout my career, like not to say that I was a fighter by any means, I was kind of just like a hard-nosed defenseman that, you know, uh, protected his teammates and wouldn't shy away from dropping the mitts, but um, racked up uh, quite a bit of telling mitts throughout my career, but I was never really looked at as like a goon or a fighter. You know, I I had my role and um, I didn't, I didn't shy away. So (laughs)
0: I love it. You know, it's funny before we hopped on here, like I'm a, I'm a huge Leafs fan. My dad grew up in Toronto and, and I had the, (laughs) Um, man, and for all my buddies back in Alabama and Mississippi and everyone that is listening to this, they're like the Leafs, like you were a fan of a tree or what are you talking about? And so, (laughs) um, but, but, you know, it's funny. I got the chance to meet Darcy Tucker and Ty Domi and some of those guys. And, uh, and, it, and it's amazing, right? Like, because it, it takes a level of tenacity, grit, and just sort of pure, I'm just going to throw myself at it. And then you meet them and they're not goons. They're just regular guys that, you know, it's all for the common good. So uh, really, really interesting to sort of hear the person behind someone who's fifth all time in that leap for penalty minutes, you know, to see what you're doing now is quite incredible.
1: I always say that's like my happy Gilmore like record, you know, that part of the movie where he's like, yeah, I took my skate off once and tried to stop. A guy. I'm the only kind of guy to ever do that. And so this is kind of my like story, but um, yeah, I mean, like it, it, there's a code in hockey and like, if if it's hard for people outside of the game to really understand, I know there's probably codes in other sports, but for hockey, like if you step outside that line, you better be prepared to answer the bell and like, you know, face the repercussions for your actions, right? Being a cheap or dirty player. A lot of those guys, um you know they they tend to get a bad rap uh, for the, the, the things they do that are cheap plays you know and a lot of guys the nhl is much different than it was back in the 80s and even the 90s and it's trickled down to professional sports like even the fhl the league that i started in uh is very different now than it was back then um you know while the quality of hockey was really high it was a really tough league when the league started about eight what nine years ago now 10 years ago um and now it's very skilled Uh, They um, graduate players all the time to the East Coast Hockey League and higher. So uh, I think the game itself has really changed. But I was a part of that era where it was, you know, really hard nosed and all about protecting your teammates and and working towards the common goal. So. Super cool. Super cool. So. So now, you know, we're starting
0: to get a sense of who you are, you know, as you're coming up through the hockey ranks, And as we make the transition into, uh, you know, what you're doing post-hockey, one of the things that's interesting through a checkpoint, especially with athletes, is this identity, right? And so a lot of folks have their identity wrapped up in sport. I know I did when, you know, I was playing college football. What was that transition like from hanging up the skates to the professional world for you?
1: It really didn't happen all at once. I'll I'll kind of keep the story brief, but it was my fourth year playing minor pro and uh, halfway through the season, the coach and general manager got fired. And at the time I was the captain of the team. And I remember the owner giving me a call and saying like, hey, come meet us at this restaurant in town. So I met up with him and he informed me that the coach and general manager had been fired and that I was going to take over the team as the general manager. So literally running the marketing, the sponsorship, the game day, all the staff, everything like I was now responsible for and to boot I had to hire a coach so I ended up promoting one of the players on our team that I played a higher level who became the player coach um, I continued to play as like the player general manager um, and I gave away my C to one of the other veteran players so before I get into the transition, a funny story. Uh, I remember one year we went on the road. That year we went on the road uh, to North Carolina, Winston Salem, and we were playing a neutral site game because the league wanted to put a team in, in that city where there is now one. Um, so I remember we played this team, and we want they told us like, "Hey, put on a good show." You know, this is a really good market, and you know, we we're like, "Yeah, whatever." We get in there, and there's like five thousand people, like packed stands, like to a neutral site game, which was really cool. So I remember like halfway through the game. Uh, like a tussle broke out in front of the net after a whistle. And so I grabbed the guy who ended up being like one of my good buddies on the other team. Um, And then we dropped the gloves. I look over, like my coach is in a fight with one of their players. And then my captain is also in a fight. Like we're in a full-blown line brawl at the same time so I said to myself that's got to be the first time in professional sports where like the general manager the coach and the captain are all involved in a line brawl at the same time like that's got to be a record somewhere that's got to be a crazy statistic (laughs) but um, just funny story about about that but um, so getting that position you know like I was also in university full-time you know taking business management I was able to apply a lot of the things I was learning in school over to that position and managing the whole organization so that after that semester, I graduated, and the next year, new ownership took over the team, and I was made the sales and marketing director. So that was, like, my start in the front office of sports, and my, my focus kind of shifted to, like, you know, playing hockey and kind of just see where my career takes me after my education to, like, you know what, I would love to work in the front office of, like, a professional sports team and apply a lot of, a lot of these things that I'm learning because I'm really passionate about it. Um, and three years after that, I ended up playing in Cornwall, and uh, i wasn't working for the team um but i got injured behind the net i broke my finger and i was out for 10 weeks uh with finger surgery so i went to the owner and i said hey look like i've spent time as a sales marketing director working for other teams and we could really use help and ticketing and sponsorship um so he made me the sales marketing director and that's when i met shannon and together we took over the team um and really uh breathe some life into it as far as like the marketing and the sales Um, and then that summer when we were out selling sponsorship, that led to my, that led to us founding our startup. So it wasn't like, you know, I quit one, like I ended my hockey career one day and I started my business career the next day, It kind of blended together for a few years. And then that one year when we were selling sponsorship, we found the pain point to start a business idea. And from there on, um, I really, I I kind of let go of my hockey career and I focused on like our startup. So, um, to answer your question it was like very difficult at first I went from like having that team mentality that family mentality to being on the other side of it as like you know the front office worker and not a part of the team and that was really hard for me because I had really good relationships with some of the guys and I had to separate myself from like the player mentality to like you know the staff mentality um but you know starting fancy has really helped me get through that and my co-founder was super supportive and it's just been an amazing ride since so a lot of guys have really tough transitions. For me, it was a little easier, but still pretty difficult.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, as I'm listening to your story, it's really interesting how it pieces together. And and if I had to just say one word that I think sums up, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs is opportunistic. And, you know, I would say, you know, Chris, as I'm listening to you, you know, it's like you're, you're dealt one, you know, one hand of cards. And then, you make two pair go a hell of a long way. Right. And so it's, uh, it's really cool to see like, you know, when I'm given this scenario, what you, what you do with it. And so, you know, I'm sure there's a ton of applicability to that mentality and, you know, obviously scaling a visit business with the elephant in the room, as you would say, COVID. So I'm curious, right. Let's talk fan saves. Now we know where the idea was built from you and Shannon, um, you know, in the, in the front office there, but what is the, journey been like for fan saves and and more importantly working with your partner in crime in life as well i'm really excited to hear that dynamic
1: yeah definitely just to give you a bit of context i'll further on like my last response like we were managing the sales and marketing we were out selling sponsorship and we kept running into the same problem where business owners didn't want to sponsor our team because they had sponsored a team in the past and didn't see a lot come back into their store, or they didn't think they were going to get enough out of traditional inventory, like a wall sign an in-ice logo or their logo in the game day program. They really wanted something more digital. They wanted to be able to track return on investment and collect customer analytics. And we didn't have anything like that. So we kind of put our heads together. We were frustrated. We are like, how can we better activate our fans to engage with our sponsors and drive sales into those businesses, to the, the businesses that sponsored our team. And that's when we had the idea to create FanSafe. So it's been quite the journey. I'm so blessed to have an amazing co-founder like Shannon, who is so supportive and has matches my passion for the business every day. Um, you know, it started off in sports sponsorship, but it, it really quickly grew into other verticals. Uh, other verticals started to emerge and contact us, such as like chambers of commerce, um, universities and colleges, events, festivals, esports. Uh, influencers like all of these different organizations and and people if you will rely on sponsorship or membership uh, but have the same problem of not being able to justify roi to their sponsors outside of vanity metrics so we're a way that we're actually tracking true conversion and these brands and organizations can log into their dashboards and in real time actually see true analytics uh, from the users that are are engaging with their brands so Wow! Yeah, and, and I mean, what a what an innovative and now timely solution, right? So,
0: so you know, with every great pandemic or great shakeup to markets, obviously it opens up opportunities for new innovative technology to streamline these processes. So, um, you know, for our listeners, what is that? You know, what does the last six months look like? I mean, are these non-traditional markets continuing to bear fruit for you, or um, how are you guys doing as a business right now?
1: Yeah. So we had actually just got back from San Diego on March 4th and, you know, cases were starting to pop up in California and a week later, everything kind of shut down. All of our partner organizations kind of halted. Um, all of their sponsors or members kind of closed their doors just due to social distancing. So we had a, a really tough decision to make. We were like, do we just kind of work on strategy and kind of ride this out or do we go on offense and try to try to make a play here? And that's what we did. We uh, we ended up creating a gift certificate program over Shopify. And by the end of it, we had partnered with 62 communities across Canada and over 625 businesses uh, to promote them and encourage people to buy gift certificates. And we were able to facilitate over $31,000 worth of gift certificates sold in these communities. And all all of that money went directly to these small businesses that were really struggling because they had closed their doors to social distancing. So it was super rewarding hearing from some of these small businesses saying like, thank you so much because of you were able to like pay our rent or we were able to pay our hydro bill this month. And, you know, we spent a lot of time, we were working 10 hour days throughout the whole pandemic uh, throughout the four month period that we ran this program. So we were really busy, but a byproduct of this like good feet, like uh feel good story. And like this, philanthropy, if you will, that we were doing to give back because we couldn't make masks or ventilators. This was our way of giving back to the small business community. Um, A byproduct was we kept our brand relevant. We were featured in like over 35 media articles and we were able to build some really great relationships with these communities that we were working with who we had not worked previously worked with before. So we were able to build our reputation, build our credibility. Um, So it, it really worked out. and then as we sunsetted that program, we converted a lot of custom, uh, communities that we are working with over to our core platform. So that's where we are now. And I think one of the biggest things that we've learned out of this whole experience um, that was true before, but it's even more prevalent now, is like small businesses are the backbone of, of our economy, at least in here in Canada. I know that's true in the United States as well. Um, and what else we, we've seen is like, you know, with all of these sporting events that are happening without fans actually in the stands, There's a huge opportunity missed for these teams to be able to promote to their fans um, who are not seeing all the in-game activations, all the in-game signage and all the promotions from their partners. So we're a digital solution that's able to come in and and be an inventory option for these teams and organizations uh, to still promote their sponsors and actually engage and activate their fans uh, with with their partner brand. So it's been a big opportunity for us and we're taking full advantage of it.
0: Uh, and I love that, right. And And you know, obviously, check is, you know, the one putting on checkpoint, and we're doing the same thing, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I'm starting to see a through line with you here. Regardless of what you're dealt, you're gonna find a way to go ahead and and capitalize and get the most out of every situation. And um, you know, we we know sports right now is traditionally just in a really tough spot, right? Like, I mean, the, the the ad revenue that we're traditionally used to getting in the organizations, which you know supplements other budgets to make sure that the players and the, the supporting staff have that professional experience that's not there right now. And so I think it's really innovative what you guys are doing, both in the sports arena, and then, you know, starting to make the impact in the community, which is, which is just unbelievable. So, so now that we're starting to get to know you, I want to ask a little bit, you know, take a little deeper dive, right? So, so the entrepreneurial mindset, we're going through this thing together. What, what has been sort of the the biggest challenge, right? We talked about all the optimism that you guys, uh, that you've overcome and that you've Radiating, what's that challenge that's like, man? This is, I gotta, you know, we gotta climb this hill, and it's not that easy in the face of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, I mean, every part of the business life cycle has like different challenges, right? So I'll start off with like our biggest challenge, and then I'll I'll speak to COVID in a second. Our biggest challenge throughout the life cycle of our business has been development. Shannon and myself were not technical co-founders, meaning we never. We didn't code the app ourselves, right? And now it's not just an app. We've got our our web app website, which works in tandem with the app. But, you know, it took us four different tries with four different developers or agencies to get to where we are now, where we're fully satisfied um, with our current developer who was, you know, also out of Ottawa, uh, who's got a team, is fully transparent, has hit every deadline, is very reasonable priced, and works with us and has weekly chats with us to make sure we're getting the most out of our dollars and we're getting the product that we envision. Right. So, you know, we always stumble forward like we made mistakes with development. Our first developer built us an MVP. We were able to validate it, but it was a far cry from what we had envisioned. So we moved on. We got an agency involved. You know, they were better, but very low transparency. They worked for major companies, major banks, and we were like a super small fish. So we didn't get the attention that we needed as a a startup uh, company. And then we tried a student, we tried bringing another employee in-house to do the dev. And each each like stage just had like problems of why it didn't work or we didn't get what we really were envisioning or at the price. And so now we're finally there where we've got it and we're really happy. But that was probably our biggest struggle, if you will, our biggest challenge to date. Um, but we've been able to solve that problem. So that's something that we speak a lot about as founders and, you know, at least we didn't lose like IP or we didn't get taken to the cleaners and spent all kinds, like we were able to stumble forward. So I think that's a really important thing. Like don't, you're going to make mistakes one, learn from your mistakes, but two, always try to stumble forward and keep progressing your, your platform Um, with COVID um, you know, it's, it's been more of an opportunity than a challenge where these, these organizations are open to finding solutions that can help them promote their, their, their corporate partners or their members and help drive traffic into their, um, into their stores. So, um, you know, the challenge has been, I guess, like a lot of these organizations have let go a lot of their staff or for a load their staff. So there's less people that are actually working in the business. So, you know, we have like a turnkey solution that makes it really easier, but, We've had to like revamp our whole process to make it even easier for these organizations to implement because a lot of them still don't have their full-time staff back on board. So that's probably the challenge that I've seen, at least in the sports world.
0: Yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, look, we can relate to it, and and with that challenge comes the opportunity to fill that gap, and, you know, I think we're both doing that, and, you know, for all you listeners out there, if you take anything from this podcast, um, one, don't be scared to drop your mitts, and two, fail forward. That is what this whole thing is about. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, as we move through the checkpoint, failure is just the key to opening up new opportunities to grow and be successful. And so, uh, you know, Chris, you you seem to embrace that mentality and that mantra. Uh, so, you know, kudos. And that, you know, I think it's just big things on the on the horizon for fan save. So, you know, as, you know, as we start to, you know, shift the pendulum, you know, outside of, you know the, the heart of COVID. hopefully you know hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel uh where do you and S- shannon see the business going over the next few years and and a more pointed question is where do you see the industry going with advertising um as that traditional model continues to evolve
1: for sure with our business like we see this becoming a huge huge platform right in the sense that like if you try to think right now, if anyone's listening to this pro- this program, think of, like, who is your favorite professional sports team? Okay, got it. Now, how many sponsors of that professional sports team can you name? You know, we've asked so many sports fans that we've run into throughout these last past three years, and 90, 95% of sports fans that we've asked that question to can't name more than three or five of their favorite team sponsors. That's a huge problem when you consider that a lot of these major professional teams have, like, hundreds of sponsors and you know you as a big fan can barely name any of them so the problem is with retention uh saturation you go to these games you're oversaturated so we see fan says becoming like the instagram of sponsorship almost if you will so you can go to our platform you can follow any of your favorite organizations sports teams colleges influencers athletes esports teams there's so many different verticals that rely on sponsorship but a lot of people just don't know who those businesses are that support their favorite teams or organizations. So being a one stop shop where you can not only identify who those those brands are that support your favorite team, but actually be able to engage with them with discounts and deals, Uh, we see this being a huge, huge platform with all the different verticals that we can support. Uh, The industry as a whole, uh, we're going through it right now. It's a huge digital transformation, a revolution, if you will. Definitely within the sports age, but also with like, you know, take the Chamber of Commerce, for example, um, up here in Canada, there's a big problem, uh, big program, sorry, uh, where the federal government has like pro- allocated money for all these different communities um, to help that these brands, these these small businesses um, incorporate e-commerce into their business, right? So many businesses that we worked with through our, our Fan Saves gift certificate program, they didn't have an e-commerce solution, which meant they couldn't like offer gift certificates or people couldn't buy from their site, but two, they barely even knew how to operate their own social media. So I think we're seeing like that huge, like magnifying glass put on e-commerce and social media as a way in like, you know, a COVID world to attract customers and actually allow them to engage and purchase uh, things through, through their business. So not only are we seeing it in the sports world through all of the different sports technologies that are being embraced right now, we're seeing it in other industries and other verticals as well, um, Chambers of Commerce just being one of them. You you bring up the point of of fans not
0: knowing their sponsors. And I think that is just a, I mean, it's mind-blowing. And I, I'm sitting over here listening to you and I'm trying to rack through my brain like, I don't even know who sponsors all our alma mater, Um, you know, and and so it's uh, I I think as we get more pinpointed with our technology and the ability to address, um, you know, put it in real time right in front of you. That is, I mean, it's going to open up a a world of opportunity for the user experience, both for the sponsor and for the, uh, you know, for the attendee or the fan. Now, I'm curious, because one thing that we talk, we talk to athletic directors, we talk to organizations, we talk to former players. One of the things that's coming down the pike in sports for the collegiate amateur world is the name image likeness. And so when you talk about sponsors to an individual athlete, is that something that FanSaves is addressing or coming up with a solution for?
1: Okay, let's let's give a real world example here. LeBron James. I'm going to put you on this on the spot, Scott. How many how many endorsers or sponsors of LeBron James can you name?
0: So I think I can name a couple. Uh, Nike being one of them. Um, maybe just Nike. I don't know. Now that you put me on the spot, I uh,
1: dozens. Yeah. He's got dozens of businesses and brands that support him and pay him money to support, like to promote their brand. But you know, he's the most. I'll call him the most high profile athlete in the game right now. Um, And, you know, like you and I, like I'm a big basketball fan. I don't know if you are as well, but I mean, at at the very least you should be able to name a few, right? If LeBron James was on fan saves, you'd be able to go to his page and you'd be able to identify all of the businesses that support him and you'd be able to engage with them through an e-commerce solution. So you bring that over to name, image, and likeness, right? You've got, you know, all these high profile, mostly division one athletes, Um, you know, like the lower divisions, they they might not get the attention from brands that the higher, you know, profile collegiate athletes will get. Um, but you think of like some of those high profile collegiate athletes, and there's just going to be a race, there's going to be a a door that's open, and all these brands are going to start filtering in, and they're going to want to support these single athletes that have created a brand for themselves and that have created a following on different social platforms, right? So you know, with all of these athletes who are now open to be able to be getting endorsed and, you know, to have sponsors, um, you know, how are you going to know who they are, right? They're going to be promoting them on their Instagram and and whatever, but there's no real one-stop shop where you can go and find out who are the brands that support your favorite athlete or, or organization. And with name, image, and likeness, we're able to be an option for these uh, professional, or sorry, these amateur athletes to be able to put their own brand up on our platform and push people to their page uh, to actually engage with the businesses that support them. So it's a huge, huge opportunity and it's definitely something we have in our eye. Our eye on. And, and I think that's so, it, it's so cool, right? To think that, you know, as an athlete, you
0: have this platform where you're able to go ahead and support. And, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine who started, uh, started a blockchain back, uh, or a blockchain tech stack for players to be their own agents right and so you know as you see this model just completely being shifted and turned on its head um you know being able to track in the city where your sponsorship is really shining may in the future dictate what team you go to maybe just as much as the coaching staff or some of the other amenities so that you can capitalize on that investment so um really need to get you know a peek underneath the hood and see not only what you guys are doing now but some of the future installments where this you know where fan saves the platform can really start to come to life so um you know we'll, we'll use that that bridge uh, you know, for, for future facing things, Chris, I'm really curious, you know, beyond name, image and likeness. Is there anything else on the roadmap that is worth mentioning to the listeners uh, of where you see the industry and fan saves going?
1: Esports. Esports is like a major emerging uh, industry. Uh, billions and billions of dollars it's set to grow exponentially over the next like handful of years so you know um all of these teams are being created uh they each have individual players i i I can't even tell you like i went to this event uh about this time last year It was called eglx in uh, in toronto and um luminosity was the team that was there they're out of vancouver they're really well known and I'm watching these like 10 year olds sign autographs and these people are like flocking to them and like taking pictures and I'm like, oh my God, these are 10 year olds, like that's crazy. But like, this is the future of esports. Um, and not that they're all 10 years old, but like th- my point is like, they have individual brands themselves. They all have their own team that they like are a part of and those teams and those individual athletes are gonna be looking for ways to, you know, promote their endorsements uh, and their their partners or sponsors, if you will. Um, So it's just an enormous industry that's growing so quickly. There's so much innovation that's happening in that space. So that's just one vertical for us that we're really like keeping our eye on name, image and likeness is another one. Sports, chambers, like there's a lot of big verticals, but I think esports is a really big one, especially because it's just really still in its infancy stages as far as like growing as an industry. And it's just beginning um, to get the attention that that it deserves. So yeah, to answer your question, I think esports is, is a huge one for sure.
0: And and I second the the notion there because you know we talk to commissioners from leagues, we talk to um, athletic directors, and and the attention is not as much on the traditional realm of sports, but now of hey, if we have to be siloed off or we need to be in a digital environment, how can we take this? Model that once worked and now move it over into the evolution of sport and and I don't know if you saw this but Nike came out with a chair you sit in it I mean the thing heats up like you know when you're warming up it cools down it's got vibrations on it I mean it, they're making it a fully immersed environment with augmented reality it's I, I mean I'm not a gamer myself but you know these things keep evolving like that <laughs> you might find me in one of those chairs here sooner than later,
1: yeah for sure like there's like whole conferences of university athletics that now have like an e um an esports league right to call it the ecac as, as being one of them um so they've got their own like esports league and there's a few other ones the njc double has one as well but it's almost like every day there's a new like school that's adding uh to that league and then up here in canada in ontario there's a league starting um and they've already got over 25 member uh universities or colleges that are going to be playing in you know these few different games so i'm actually in the middle of this between these two organizations i'm trying to bridge the gap um and there's talk about like an international event where like the best of canada esports and collegiate athletics plays the best of american collegiate athletics and esports and they come together for almost like a can am tournament so that's never been done before like that's really cool uh to, to just see that but to be a part of it it's really cool it's it's brand new right so um Yeah, there's just so much opportunity out there and uh, it's just all happening so fast. So, you know, being able to keep your your finger on the pulse of what's happening is so important because it's changing daily.
0: Is that where the Olympics are going, Chris? Is this what we have to look forward to in the, uh, I guess, I'd say the future, but I mean, hell, we're living in the future, it feels like. So the Jetsons are, we're closer to the Jetsons than we are the Flintstones, my man. So, you know, that's a uh, really, <laughs> really interesting insight there, uh, you know, especially from someone who's more acutely uh, familiar with the advertising and some of the business models that live behind the sport there. So, um, you know, really interesting checkpoint. This has been, this has been a great conversation. So we're going to put Fansafe to the side. We're gonna ask a couple personal questions just to get you know to know you a little bit better. Um, so working with your girlfriend, being the co-founder, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, living in the same house with my wife sometimes and working just to be uh, we get at each other's throats. So I'm really curious, what has that experience been like,, um, you know, for the both of you guys?
1: It's been really great. I mean, like my biggest knock, I would say is sometimes it can be hard to separate the business from the relationship, you know, like, sometimes we have a disagreement about the business and because we're so passionate about it, we're both so passionate, you know, it creates a disagreement and then there's like a bit of friction. But at the end of the day, we always have to remember that this is not like you and I fighting like, Oh, I hate you Oh, And I hate you. Like, no, this is like a disagreement about the business, which is a good thing because we're so passionate. We want the best for the business. Right. So trying to separate that from like our relationship outside of the business is really hard because it's so intertwined and like, you know we we travel and like we meet all these people and it, it's all intertwined, right? So that would be the biggest knock, I'd say. but you know generally when we have a problem with the business uh, and we just cannot like come to an agreement, we kind of put it on the shelf and then we go to our advisory board and we say, hey, can you guys help us like you know break the tie here and then we move on from that. Um, but you know, I think it's really propelled our business. I think it's really rare to find like you know dating co-founders. We've been together for three years. Um, so, you know, um, you know, we talk about the business all the time. Like we wake up in the morning and we're like, okay, what's on the schedule? Like, oh, I had this dream last night. I have this idea. and Like we'll go to bed talking about it. Like, oh, I can't believe that person did this or, oh, I had this great meeting. Like remind me tomorrow, you know, so we're always like progressing the business in a sense because we're always like brainstorming and and feeding off of each other um but the really great thing too is we both have different skill sets right so her skill set complements my skill skill set and vice versa she has a degree in broadcast journalism and she's like an excellent writer um i'm more of like you know the biz dev guy i love reaching out making connections and doing podcasts and you know getting us into competitions and making sales so we we have different skills that complement each other but Ultimately, bring us together for the for the common good of the business. So, it is it is impressive, and I tell folks, you know, like I mean, you know, we just talked about this on your
0: show, but you know, I went out on a road trip for five months in an eleven foot travel trailer, and I told anybody. <laughs> before you get married you you have to go and do something that puts you and your partner outside of your comfort zone so you can understand how you react in those adverse situations or if you're able to separate the business from the personal and uh, you know kudos to you guys I think it's uh it, it's just another great accomplishment on top of fan saves and and it should provide hope for a lot of entrepreneurs to say like if you're able to go through life with this partner, um, why not spin up a business and take that same passion and build something for yourself? So um, really, really commendable. Uh, love what you're doing. And and so, you know, as we start to wind down here, one of the questions, Chris, that we've been asking all of our uh, guests that have come on um, is to share some wisdom. And, and so if you could tell the listeners one thing that you've done in your life that you would recommend they do or experience in theirs, what would that
1: be and, and why? So many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, you know, I'll pull from my experience in my life, you know, like overcoming adversity, right? Like adversity is going to happen. It comes in different forms. It comes at different times. Um, just being able to overcome that adversity, um, expect it, you know, and be able to deal with it and, and move on. Um, another thing I would say is don't be afraid to fail. Like so many people, I think I mentioned earlier, have ideas, but they just don't act on it for whatever reason. Like, oh, I don't have the money to start a business. Or, oh, I don't have the time right now. You see like mom entrepreneurs killing it. Um, you see people that have slept in their car for years that, you know, start a business and become wildly successful. So throw all those excuses out the window, start your business, start your idea, be passionate about it and rock it out. Um, don't be afraid to fail and learn from every mistake. and as I mentioned earlier, try to stumble forward and and fail forward. So those would be my, like, my two key points.
0: Spoken like a true entrepreneur, uh, a true athlete. Chris, this has been an unbelievable checkpoint, Um, you know, for all the guests to go out and, uh, or if they want to get in touch with you and learn more about fan saves from a user level, from an organization level, where can they meet you on social or on what platforms are you available on so they can learn more?
1: Super active on LinkedIn. Um, You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, pretty much any social platform out there. But uh, for me, I'm most active on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is an incredible resource. So I'm always open to chat um, and and learn from other people. But if you're an entrepreneur out there, reach out. I'd love to engage. If you're uh, an organization that could utilize our platform, uh, I'd love to hear from you as well. So
0: Awesome. Well, guys, um, this is wrapping up another episode of Checkpoint. Uh, Chris, we love what you're doing. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, uh, you know, just dropping nuggets of wisdom from uh, just a little bit north of us. And uh, and for all you listeners out there, I highly encourage you start to listen and digest this. And most importantly, check yourself. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Thanks so, so much for having me, Scott. It's been fun.